0: It's the Principle with Pastor Mac, where we learn the heart of God through the mind of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. I am your host, Pastor Mac. Join me as we dive into the passages of Scripture and find out how principles from God's Word give us the power to overcome the problems of life. All right. Hello, everyone. Uh, So good to be with you again this week. Um, I've been looking forward to this one for a little while, and uh, let's just, because of uh, time, let's just dig right into it. Uh, I have, for the last three weeks, talked about three different types of sin, or maybe the better word is infractions um, upon God and His holiness. Um, And those are iniquity, sin, and transgression, and I did them in that order. Uh, I want to give a quick review And I told you last week that I was going to talk to you about how the cross took care of all three, sin, iniquity, and transgression. And uh, so we're going to do that today. But again, I want to go back and kind of talk about them. So we looked at iniquity, and we talked about that. And iniquity uh, in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, means lawlessness or perverseness. Um, It has to do with evil thoughts. So it's your thought life. Uh, It's the way that you think. And And we need to understand, uh, children of God, we need to understand that your thought life is as dangerous, if not more dangerous, than what you actually do. Um, In fact, uh, David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord doesn't hear me. Jesus said, uh, if you look after a woman to lust lust after her in your heart, you've committed adultery already. And the reason it can be more dangerous is because there's no immediate repercussions. If I go punch someone, they're going to punch me back. But if I, if I have hatred or, um, bitterness or unresolved anger in my heart and it impacts and affects the way I think, or not affects, how about infects? It infects the way I think, um, it becomes an infection of the thought, right? And it, it because there's no immediate repercussions, I can revel in those thoughts. I can revel in improper thoughts about other women. I can revel in improper thoughts about uh, about you know wanting to hurt someone, and I can revel in those thoughts and and cherish them. And and sometimes we do that, right? Uh, uh, you know, sometimes we have those thoughts that that if I ever got my opportunity, I would, um, I would pay them back. I would get them or, or, um, you know, I would try to further that relationship and, and excuse me, when that starts playing in your mind when that starts playing in your mind, then it starts infecting our attitudes and the way of life and, and everything that we do. So, um, so iniquity is is perverseness of thought. It has to do with our inner self. And we, and we talked about how because it's something on the inside, it affects us. Something in our spirit, it affects us in our spirit. Again, what David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord doesn't hear me. Um, uh, P- Peter said that if if a husband doesn't have right attitude or right thoughts toward his wife, that it, it could hinder his prayers. Um uh, Paul said in, in Corinthians when talking about the Lord's Supper that uh, because people didn't regard the body, that when they partook of the Lord's Supper, they took it unworthily. And because of that, that they suffered for it. And when he's talking about the body, he's not talking about that little piece of wafer, folks. He's talking about the body, how I feel toward others in the body of Christ. And so it impacts us. And so that's iniquity. That's that's the the. Sin in the thoughts, sin in the mind, sin of the spirit, so to speak, our motivation. Then you have sin. Uh, sin is something we do. It's an action. It's, uh, it's something we do with our hands or our bodies. And uh, and so because oftentimes, we and we, we dug into this two weeks ago, uh, because it's a sin of the body, because it's a sin of something that we do, um, a lot of times the repercussions or the consequences are in the physical realm. Again, if I go punch someone, they're going to punch me back. Uh, and so we we talked about uh, we talked about that two weeks ago, and then last week I hit the one that I I, um, I think hits the body of Christ the hardest, and that's transgression. And transgression in the Old Testament means rebellion, to rebel against a rule or a statute. In the New Testament, it means to break the law. And I talked about the the word in the greek parabasis and how that you know to walk along the line and to step over it um and and i even talked about that last wednesday night in in my bible or my bible study with my church and and we we've got to understand that that gets dangerous because if i see how close to the line i can get it's real easy for life to push me over but if I see how far away from the line I can get to be right in the center of God's will. If life does knock me over or push me a little bit to the left or the right, I'm still in God's will. But if I'm seeing how close I can get to that line, how, how close I can walk without going over, how close I can get to that sin without actually doing it. When life comes and knocks us to the side a little bit, we end up stepping over the line. And so we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful, child of God. You've got to be careful about how you're walking. And if if you miss that on transgression, I did a whole show on that one. Go back and re uh, re-listen to last week or listen to last week's, um, and we'll and you'll get a deeper understanding of that. So I told you last last week that I was going to talk this week about how the cross took care of all three: sin, iniquity, transgression. And I'm going to look at one passage of scripture. It's actually an entire chapter, but I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's Isaiah 53. And so I'm going to pick just a few, just a few verses um, and and then go from there. Um, Verse three says, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did esteem him uh, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Here we go. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Let's go down a little bit further. Verse 8. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? He was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. Verse 9, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he did had done no violence, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. Here we go, verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. That was, he was bruised for our iniquities. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. I'm not going to go into all that. Um, verse 11, he shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous shall, my righteous servant shall justify many. He shall bear their iniquities. Um, and so we look at that, at uh, the end of verse 12, he was numbered with the transgressors, uh, transgressors, excuse me. And he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. I'll come back to that one when I get back to transgression. So we see in Isaiah 53, we see that the writer Isaiah talks about all three of the sins or the infractions that I've mentioned, sin, iniquity, transgression. And so we want to look at, we want to look at the cross. We want to look at different passages. I'm going to be quick, but we want to look at different passages and see how the cross takes care of all three. Notice Isaiah 53 verse 5. Um, it says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And in verse uh, 10, it says that he, uh, the Lord was pleased to bruise him. Um, and in verse 11, he shall bear our iniquities. So here's the idea. So if if iniquity is a sin that is done internally, right? It's done in the mind. It's done in the mind. It's done in the on the inside. It's not something that is done with your body. It's not something that is an outward expression. It's an inward thought. It's your thought life. Remember Jesus said, if you lust after a woman, you've committed adultery with her already. It's something in your thought. And so it has to be something done on the inside because only the blood, uh, without the shedding of blood, in Hebrews, it says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Re- Revelation chapter 12. Uh, Verse 11, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. It is the blood that takes care of our sin. So if that is iniquity is a sin that is done on the inside, then there must be some type of bleeding that is done on the inside. And we know, we all know what that is. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but when you bruise, when you bruise, that is a bleeding under the skin. Something hits you, something smacks you in some way you take a punch in the face you take a punch on the arm you you're uh well i'm of the age now i bruise pretty easily (laughs) i walk around and i i bump the countertop and all of a sudden i've got a bruise on my leg or on my arm um and what is that that is the bursting of the capillaries under your skin and you bleed you literally bleed under the skin and and there's and i'm making a connection here in just a second so if you go to matthew um, chapter 26 and you look at jesus is before the sanhedrin it says then the high priest tore his clothes this is jesus responds to the question are you the son of are you the christ the son of god jesus said in verse 64 Uh, It is, as you said, nevertheless, I say to you hereafter, you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of God, uh, sitting at the right hand of the power, excuse me, and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest towards clothes, saying he has spoke, spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Look now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? They answered and said, he is deserving of death. Then they spat in his face and beat him and others struck him with the palm of their hands. They beat him and they struck him with the palm of their hands. Now, this is this is where this hall connects. If iniquity has to do with your thought life, and your thought life is internal, so the bleeding has to be internal, but again, it's connected to the thought life. Why did they smack him? Why did they beat him? Why did they slap him across the face? And why did they spit on him? Wasn't because Jesus broke their laws. It wasn't because uh, Jesus did some type of blasphemy. It wasn't because Jesus um, did anything contrary to what God had, had um, prescribed to to the Jews and how to live. It was simply because of their jealousy and their hatred. It was because of the way they thought about him. It dealt with their thought life. They smacked him. They punched him. They beat him. They spit on him because of the way they thought about him. It has to go with their thought life. And because of that, when they did that, Jesus was bruised. He was bruised. He bled under the skin. He bled for their iniquities. Isaiah 53 and 5. He was bruised for our iniquities. See, see, child of God, the enemy is so smart. He's so smart. I- I'm going to give credit where credit is due. He- he's so smart. He gets us to thinking that because it's our thought life, that there's nothing that can be done about it. There's no forgiveness of that. That's just something that we're stuck with. It's just something that we'll just have to, that that's just the way we are. I've got the anger issue or I've got the attitude problem or whatever it may be. And the enemy has done such a good job of convincing us that there is no hope or no help for that. Well, I want to tell you, based on the word of God, that if God can take the punishment for your sins, even the ones in your mind, the iniquities of your mind, the attitudes and the anger and all of those things, if he can bear the punishment for those, for he was bruised for our iniquities, he can give you victory over it. For what good does it do? Listen to me, child of God. What good does it do for him to bear the punishment for it if he doesn't give you a way to get over it it makes no sense why would he continue to take the punishment for things why would he not give you a way to get out of that or to get out from underneath it or to stop doing those things so he could stop taking the punishment I, does that make sense why would i why, as a human being that makes sense and if it makes sense to me as a dumb person that's just a you know in my little pea brain then surely the God of the universe had it figured out that he would take the punishment for the things that you have thought. He would take the punishment for your iniquities, but then he would give you strength or a way to get over it. So he would not have to bear the punishment for that any longer. And so I want to tell you, wrapped up in the cross, not only is there forgiveness for your iniquities, there is freedom from your iniquities. You have the ability, you have the ability, this goes back to I think the first or second lesson that I did in my podcast, or first or second podcast, you have the ability through your thought and through your words to change the way you think and change your life and change those things around you. But you can only do it through the power of the cross. I don't mean to sound like I'm preaching here, but we we somehow... we somehow have allowed the enemy to convince us that there's no hope for that. And we want to try to hide it from the Lord folks. He already knows what you're thinking. He already knows that. And so what you want to do is when you have that thought, the scripture says to take every thought captivity and take it to the obedience of the cross. When that thought, whatever it is, I don't care how shameful it is. I don't care how dirty it may be. I don't care how harmful it may be. I don't care how wrong it may be. You take it to the cross. You take it to Jesus and you tell him, this is the thought I had and you confess it which means to say the same thing about it this thought is wrong because that's what god says and this thought cost you bruising when you were here this thought cost you somebody punching you in the face this thought cost you blood and i'm gonna bring it to you and lord give me the strength to not think that thought again if you start thinking, if you start understanding that your thought life impacted Christ on the cross and you think, oh, it's just a harmless thought. No, it is not just a harmless thought. Your thought costs Christ blood. Okay, now I sound angry. I'm not. I'm Well, I am. I'm angry at the enemy for him convincing us that that this is something that can't be done with you know we can't handle or we can't do anything about wrong you can you take it to the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse you from that he will purge you from that he will uh, psalm 32 purge me and I will be clean he will purge you from that or oh, I think that's Psalm 51 actually he will purge you from that and if you can conv- continue to confess those thoughts Lord this is what I was thinking and it's wrong and it cost you blood And you take it to him and you keep doing that. I've heard folks say, don't, don't say out loud what you're thinking. You don't think for a second that the enemy doesn't understand you. Listen, I've, I've, I've read this somewhere and I've, and I've heard this somewhere that they teach FBI students, FBI, um, uh, excuse me, law enforcement. um, They teach them it's a course for about six months that they teach them to read body language, to tell if somebody's lying, if, if a dumb old person can learn that in six months, you've got Satan who's been studying mankind for 6,000 years. You don't think he knows what you're thinking? He already knows. And the best way to try to remedy those places, those dark places in your mind and in your heart and in your spirit is to put them to the light of Christ and expose them and say it, say it out loud. Don't say it Don't say it out loud if you're standing next to your wife or you're standing next to the person you're angry at, but take it to the Lord. Lord, this is the thought I was having, and it's wrong, and it cost you blood, and I'm bringing it to you, and I'm asking you to cleanse me from it and give me victory over it. And he was bruised for our iniquities. He shed blood for your iniquities. Okay, I got to hurry. I took a long time on that. Uh, Sin. Sin is done with the body. It's outside. Iniquity is on the inside. Sin is on the outside. And the scripture says, plainly, Romans chapter 5, while we were enemies with God, Christ died for our sins. They put him on the cross. He breathed his last breath. And he did it for you, for your sin, for what you've done with your body. And I want to tell you, just like with your thought life, there is nothing that is so shameful, so wrong, so bad, so horrible that Christ's blood cannot cleanse you and deliver you and save your soul from it. Listen, this whole easy grace thing that's going around. uh, In fact, I I got a, I got a, I got a pet peeve. I'm going to say, if you're. Go to my church. You've heard me say it. The idea of asking Jesus into your heart is so unscriptural. It's not even funny. Um, I get that we explain it to children that way, but if you're an adult, it's not asking Jesus into your heart. It's you surrendering your life and becoming a servant to Him, and Him becoming Lord of your life. And 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 see, we got it. We got to understand that. I got so many different directions I want to go right now. I got my notes and I'm like, there's nothing so horrible, so wrong, so bad that Christ doesn't already know it. Didn't already know it when he went to the cross and he died for it. But at the same time, you have to understand it's not an easy grace that that thing that you did, no matter how, the little white lie no matter how simple or easy it may have been or no matter how horrendous it may have been that thing that you did cost christ his life and so you need to you need to take it to him because he did it willingly so he could offer you forgiveness and you you receive that forgiveness and then you make christ lord of your life that's that's what happens with your sin. So we've talked about iniquity, we've talked about sin. Now I want to get to transgression. It says that he was wounded for our transgressions, and then, uh it, oh, wait, I'll, I'll come back to that verse. I don't want to get ahead of myself. So he was wounded for our transgressions. The word "wounded" in a lot of in a, many of the uh, translations it says "pierced." And that's actually the right, that's actually the right translation. He was pierced. And, um, and so we see on the cross, we see on the cross that in, in John 19, verse 31, uh, excuse me, verse 33, they, the soldiers were going to go break the legs so that they would go ahead and die. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. Pierced his side with a spear. He was pierced for our transgressions. Now, um, I, okay, so I, I don't want to get too technical here, but i got to make this point. Um, we have to understand that as children of God, we can still sin. In fact, most of us do sin when we don't want to admit it. But if he died for our sin, the sin that we did before he, we knew him, and the blood that he shed when he died was the blood that he shed for the sins, all, in fact, all the sins of the world before we knew him, then if we sin after we become his his follower, we sin after we know Him. There had to be blood that was shed after He died. Now I know that that's kind of getting theological, and I'm not uh, well. I'm a teacher at heart, so just deal with it. Um, but if the blood that He shed before He died, and then He died for our sins, if we sin after we become children of God, there had to be blood that was shed after He died in order to take care of the sin that we do after we're saved that is the transgression in the life of a child of god we live by the law of christ we live by the law of love and when we break that law we transgress we transgress the law, not the Old Testament law, not the Ten Commandments, although that's part of it. We transgress the law of Christ, and we transgress the law of love. And when we do, that is a sin in our lives. Um, I, I, I know churches that teach you can't sin. That is baloney. <laughs> There's your deep theological word, hogwash. How about that one? That is such a that is that has caused more grief and condemnation in the body of Christ Then, if we would just admit that we have sinned and we've broken the law of love, we have transgressed the law of God, and in doing so, we have sinned after we've gotten saved. And so there had to be blood that was shed after he died in order for there to be blood for the remission of sins. According to Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There had to be blood shed after he died in order to pay for our sins that we commit after we're saved. And that was the piercing for our transgressions that happened at the cross. And so, child of God, what do we do with that? We do what I talked about last week we confess and we repent. We confess it to the Lord, we take it to the Lord. We bear it out before him because he already knows there's no sense in trying to hide it. And we confess it. We say the same thing about it. This cost you blood. See, I think it, I I think to me, that makes it more personal. If someone says something to me and hurts my feelings, that's one thing. If somebody cuts me, and I bleed. That's a totally different ball game. That's totally different. You know, we even grow up with a little saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, that's not true either. Words do hurt. But if somebody cuts me and I bleed, that's a whole different level of pain. That's a whole different level of hurt. And when I, when I sin, when I have iniquity, or when I transgress, when I break the law of love, when I break the law of Christ in my life, it cost him blood. It cost him dearly. And when we confess that, we then rethink. We have to rethink about what we're doing and what we've done. And the idea of repentance is not just simply to turn away. It means to rethink in the original language. It goes deeper than just turning away. It means we take stock and we evaluate what it is we're doing and what it cost us and what it cost Christ. And then in doing so, in doing so, hopefully we begin to reevaluate it and, and realize that it's not worth it. See, that's i, I think that that's where we got to understand that God wants us to grasp the fact of of what this life is about, not just I can't do that because I was told not to. It goes so much deeper than that. It goes so much deeper than that. In fact, it, when I did my first podcast, I talked about my favorite verse. Paul told uh, Paul told the Roman church, Romans 16 19, your obedience is known throughout the whole world, but I would rather you be wise. God wants us to grow in an understanding not just an understanding of how to live but an understanding of what everything means. And sin is not just I'm not going to do that because I was I was told I can't. It, it, the Christian little walk is so much more than that. It's so much deeper and richer than that. It's, you know, it. it's not, um, I can't look at those magazines because I'm not supposed to, or I can't talk to those people because I'm not supposed to, or I can't, Lord of mercy, one of the rules that I had growing up was we couldn't go mixed bathing. We couldn't swim with girls in the swimming pool, you know, because I'm not supposed to. Well, it, there's more to it than that. And God wants us to be able to rethink and understand and take stock of what it is that we're doing with our lives. And man, I'm preaching again, and I don't mean to be. What we're doing with our lives, what it cost us, what it could cost us, what the consequences could be if we do that, and what it cost Christ on the cross. It cost him blood. And so we need to understand that. And that's what God calls us to do. Now, I want to do one last verse, and then I'm going to wrap this up. The end of Isaiah 53, he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. He made intercessions for the transgressors, transgressors. What does the scripture say that he does after he, after he died? After he died, he rose again on the third day. Then he spent 40 days with the disciples. Then he rose again. And the scripture says that he sits at the right hand of the father, ever making intercession for us, the transgressors. So if you, if you sin after you know Christ, there's not a hammer coming down on you. There's not lightning coming out of the sky to strike you dead. Christ is interceding for you. He knew in advance you were going to and paid it with his blood when he was pierced in the side. And in fact, uh, you know the whole idea of being pierced, I've heard it, I've heard some people dispute it, but the whole idea of being pierced, it, 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 it pierced the sack around the heart, the pericardial sack, and blood and water flowed. Friend, when you transgress, it breaks the heart of Christ. And it cost him blood. So rethink what you're doing. I'm out of time. Listen. Keep listening. Love you. Talk to you soon.